What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, 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 it's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming King podcast. And I've got a little curveball on you today with a very special guest coming all from the other side of the kitchen table uh, right here in Denver, actually not in person together, but she is here in Denver at the moment, even though she doesn't live in uh, Ranit Damti, all the way from New York. How are you? Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm oh, yeah. super excited to be here on a little yes. trip to, to Denver, all the way from New York City. Yeah, we're going to get into that. But uh, we connected initially on uh, the old E, uh, and we have mutual friends in common. And, you know, Traver on Civilized Nation, a bunch of the guys, and Traver's gal pal, girlfriend. I don't want to say that. Um, we have a lot of mutual <laughs> connections, which I'm sure is kind of what initially started the uh the following of each other let's say you are well why don't you rather than me telling what you are why don't you ask what you are in terms of just life coach and the honest compass and how that'll be my next question just like where did the honest the idea of that come from all right um so yes to echo everything you just said that uh we do have a lot of like mutual acquaintances and it's been pretty amazing to be able to utilize social media in that way since it's yeah. usually demonized i by me as well like i do not i'm not a big fan of social media never have been um and it's really cool to be able to create connections like that so knowing you're in denver um me coming here was just awesome to be able to meet in person and also get this podcast together yeah so uh so yes i my name is ranit i'm originally from israel i moved to the united states to new york about eight years ago and that's where I still live to, the, to this day. I'm just traveling right now. Um, and I started the Honest Compass. I'll get into why it's called that in a minute. But I yeah. started the Honest Compass as a mission and a calling, really, more than anything else, to help other women step into their power. And I'm always very mindful of how, I'm, how I describe that and word that because I don't think, like even the word empowerment has a bit of like, a tricky energy for me because I don't want it to, to come off as if women don't have power. Certain people don't have power. They need to learn how to have it, step into it, be in it. It's more like, it's kind of like hidden, buried under a lot of things. And we just want to uncover that and help it shine, but it's already there. So my own journey, um, I was, I want to say 23 when I moved to the United States and mm -hmm. a baby, I would say a child pretty much. And, um, it was within a relationship. So what ended up happening is me basically transitioning from my parents' home and the family's home into this person's home and remaining in the same role without ever going through the initiation of womanhood. Mm. So the process of that and the fact that I woke up to it and started doing the work um, 
to step into that existing power of mine mm-hmm. um, is something that has been life-changing for me. And I see it in a lot of women around me and in the world in general where they have yet to realize the power that they have. And so they feel, you know, this might be um, a bit of an unpopular opinion, but just a lot of people, I feel like it's more like them being afraid to admit it than actually it being true, where women feel that they need to be saved, um, helped, led through life, be shown the way. And um, there's a big difference between receiving that kind of support and taking a, like a backseat and looking for someone to take care of you. So a rich history for me with that, which I can get into later if, uh, if that's where we're going. But, uh, but to keep it short, that's how I stepped into this role. And this is what I, um, the work that I do with women. And it really revolves around practices and actual tangible things that you can do to start realizing that you can have your own back. Because it doesn't, you know, just wake up one day and be like, oh, I got this now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's the, the story of that. And the reason I decided to name it The Honest Compass is because, um, well, it just so happens that when I was 23, on my 23rd birthday, I got a, well, your listeners can't see it, but if you're watching the video, there is a compass tattoo on my wrist. And obviously very unrelated because I was 23 when I got it, but I've always had like this attraction or fascination with compasses. And when I was thinking about um, if I wanted to have a name for my business and what I wanted to be, that really kind of resonated with me because I felt like, the day that I started being very honest with myself about what my life is looking like and what I want them to look like um, was the day I incorporated like radical honesty into my experience. And the compass is when, even when I got this specific tattoo done, it was to, to remind myself that home is where I make it and where the heart is and not necessarily where I was born or where, or where somewhere else tells me that it is. So the combination of, of the honest compass is like, you can honestly find your own direction within you, your, your compass is already inside. So I love that. Well, and to the whole idea of, um, you know, which, which is why I ultimately wanted to, to have this conversation because so much of you're speaking to women, but you could very well be speaking to the men, right? In the same way that I speak to men and very much could be speaking to the women. Um, and the whole idea, like with, with Bohm talks about this a lot too, with the nice guy syndrome, it's the whole like happy wife, happy life. As long as she's happy, you know, then everything's good. Right. And so men kind of to kind of take uh, a backseat in some regards and thinking, you know, if you have uh, two people who the female's looking to be saved and he's just looking to make to appease and just a yes, man, you have two people that are deeply wounded. You're not gonna have a very intimate and, and deep connection between the two. Right? <clears throat> and so speaking from experience, quite frankly, like it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work in terms of uh, being able to do our true potential. And so I think that is if, you know, put words in your mouth, but for me, at least that is the, the personal power I need to bring back to not only myself, but other men. And it sounds like the same thing with women, which is like the personal power of like, just that you're, secure and happy and you're intentional about your life that'd be accurate absolutely i second everything you said i think that the only reason i don't speak to the the male the man's experience verbatim is because i don't i can't live it you know i, I live in a woman's body and a woman's experience and a heterosexual experience and it's i think i believe that it affects like 
all kinds of relationships and all types of connections and even friendships and familial relationships. But what I speak to mostly is my own experience and my lived experience. So I agree with everything that you said. And I think that I can also speak from experience and say that when you're in that wounded space, you attract other individuals that are in a complementary wounded space. So it could be the nice guy who's looking to appease or please, or it can be um, the kind of like um, shadow side of the warrior type where he's very dominant and is looking for someone to take care of. So he wants like, it could be, again, if it goes to the more shadowy part of it, it becomes um, domineering more than just like, oh, let me just help you and take care of you. And so in my own personal experience that manifested in a way where the person I was with wasn't um, dominant in a, in a bad way or wasn't anything abusive or anything like that, but it just became very simple and easy for both of us to step into roles of like parent-child. And we all know that's not conducive to a healthy romantic relationship, nor does it right. last very long. Right. right. So, so yes, from both ends, we end up attracting each other when we stay in those wounded patterns without realizing that the success and longevity of a relationship is really dependent on each person, person's independence on their yeah. own. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, a lot of the, the power that you have reclaimed for yourself, continue to reclaim um, was something that you, I don't want to le- give a, a leading question. So I, I imagine a lot of it comes from your child or your culture or the times, mm-hmm. like what, what do you feel like just looking back at your own personal experience and story, did you lose your power? If you can even answer that. Um, or how do you see maybe in your culture back home where it's just, you know, a lot of women are looking to be saved or what, what's been your experience lens? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in story of origin and I, I do think, I would say no, as far as anyone can know, as a fact that your origin story plays into who you turn out to be and what you become. And the relationships that have been modeled to you is what you, where you kind of end up finding yourself in. So in my life in general, growing up as um, kind of like, I guess, medium socioeconomic background um, back home in Israel, I didn't actually see that many healthy relationships around me. Um, a lot of them, even French, like friends and their parents and everything were either single moms or like um, broken homes, whatever the definition of a broken home is. But, um, speaking to my own personal experience through the dynamic of my parents who are great people that I love to death, we always give this like almost like apologetic, um, prelude to, to saying something that is going to sound bad, but it's not, it's the reality. It's a different generation that didn't know any better, but, um, having, for example, a mother that says a lot of things, has a lot of dreams, wants to do a lot of things. And these are all things Mm -hmm. that we've talked about, um, her and I, and don't necessarily follow up on them. And almost is like waiting for someone else to make them come true for her. And if that doesn't happen, then they just don't happen. So when I started realizing the similarities between my, my own experience and how I kind of like the first time I think I started noticing it was when I was like, oh, I say a lot of things that I want to do and like years go by and I'm stuck in this like matrix wheel of working and being home and working and making more money and barely even having a social life, to be honest, and realizing like, so what actually am I waiting for? What is this? Like I had to pause for a minute and be like, 
well, I'm really actually reminding myself of my mother. And when I started looking into that and um, subsequently relationships that I've been in, I really started seeing my parents in the relationships that I've been modeling in different ways, um, where I basically am taking a backseat to something, but at the same time, shining a very powerful light in the things that I am good at and I am strong at, like the intellectual parts of whatever it is that you play out in a relationship. If it's um, putting off like, and this isn't necessarily exactly like my mother, but this is my own interpretation of what I've found in my life, putting off this really um, well-honed show of the super confident, independent woman who deep down is still waiting to be saved and is not taking action in her own life to make things happen because the knight in shining armor hasn't arrived yet to make it happen. Mm. Um, so 100% reliving a similar situation that I grew up in. Also witnessing um, conflicts not being kind of like solved in a healthy way. Same, found myself really returning to the very same, very similar patterns. So yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think about it in terms of uh, when I was previously married or other relationships where and I wonder, you know, just giving our parents maybe more credit um, or grandparents or previous kids, it's like a lot of times I feel like, uh, especially with the guys that I'm with, they know what they're doing isn't. They're like this, how I'm showing up, the life that I've created, the lack of results, the feeling of being stuck. I know this is so not right, right? And a lot of times they don't know what to do. They just know that they're unhealthy, unhappy. And a lot of times they just kind of stick in the sand, you know, and I'm sure women have their own ways of doing the same thing. <clears throat> so I imagine, especially with like my mom, my dad, like just such complicated, you know, adult things that they've been through, they went through when they were married and that sort of thing. But again, doing the best they could with the tools they had, they just didn't have the tools that we now have available to us. The fact that we're having this conversation over the internet that goes you know, onto a podcast for free, you know, or we put it on YouTube free. There's so much content and so much availability now of information. Obviously, it's it's a beautiful thing and it can also be overwhelming. But I do feel like it's our um, it's our responsibility now that we know what we know that we have to step into but even knowing that it's still freaking so difficult yeah to, very true. to get that power back into transfer like how how challenging has it been for you to, to you know have never been to the united states you come over here eight you know in a relationship how challenging has it been your own personal growth journey over the eight years and what would you say is one of the areas that you've grown in the most personally um how challenging has it been i can answer with crawl into like a fetal position and just stay in the corner forever is like that <laughs> yeah. level of challenging yeah um it's like it's crazy difficult i think that it's um i don't want to compare any any experiences because we're all individuals i think that it's really hard always to kind of like get in, be initiated into adulthood because in our current modern society we don't get that at all so whenever you wake up to that and you have to go through it, it's, it's still challenging. But coming from uh, my specific story, being in a foreign country where you don't, you didn't grow up in, and you don't know how 
it kind of like works with credit card and all that like bureaucracy and stuff that is very different from the country you grew up in. It feels like being a little child again, like very much mm. so where mm. you need that, which is why psychologically in my mind, it's like my partner became like my parent because I needed him to show me how Stylist, to do, how to yeah. live. Yeah. yeah. Guide me yeah. how to like be an adult, um, which is a sucks all the romance out of the relationship. But yeah. um, I do want to like, I want to stop with something that you said that was very interesting that I feel can be a similar yet different experience for women. You mentioned before that men often know that their life isn't what they want it to be and it's not feeling good. They just don't know what to do about it or are afraid to. And while that can very well be an experience for a woman, especially a woman who um, has already started asking questions but doesn't really know how to move forward from that, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes the exact opposite where the woman, this specific woman or whoever, thinks everything's going right. Because, and I'll elaborate on that, society teaches us to gain this like validation and sense of appreciation from very superficial things that ultimately are not conducive to a fulfilling experience of life. So if I'm a young woman who, for whatever reason, attracts a lot of attention or is getting like hit on by a lot of men, desired, shall we say, then in my mind, everything's working fine. Mm. Nothing's like, nothing's not okay. Everything's like, okay, so whenever I'm ready for a relationship, it'll just come. It's as easy as that. Some women have that experience. Other women, maybe less so, but can still step into a place where they think like, oh, you know, life is fine. I'm super independent. I'm a successful business owner, whatever the story is where we actually think everything is fine. But some it takes either that one like two, cosmic two by four to the head, like Mark Rove says, I love that phrase. Yeah. It takes that to wake you up. Um, or you start slowly through an experience of life, be it you know your own circle, like social circle changing around you, or the fact that you are reaching a certain age, whatever the catalyst may be, something just makes you start questioning, am I really happy here? Am I really happy with what's happening? At a certain point, even all of this like wanted attention starts, you know, the desire for it starts fading away and you're left asking yourself, is this the kind of life that I want it to be or am I happy in it? So the trick here is I think that a lot of women think that they're in a really good place and that's, that can be very challenging to, to even step forward into starting asking questions because I can tell you throughout my 20s, I didn't really think anything was wrong it's like i had these like little um questions in the back of my mind sometimes well i'm like i wonder why i I always like want to get into a relationship and then get bored with it really fast and dump them but it's not important enough for me to actually figure out why so Mm. another year Mm. goes by Mm. and um so it's very it's a very tricky place to be yeah i think that's actually uh, insightful for sure because i think we all have sneaky ways of lying to ourselves uh and we, we have, and that's part of our coping, you know, is mm-hmm. like how we bypass the, the pain. And, and more recently, I did one of my meetings of men. And then I, the title was like, how to resolve anger or something like that. My least attended meeting of men ever, you know, uh-huh. and, and even some of the men that were there at times would have to give the, the disclaimer, like, I, I don't have any problems. I just know that I get frustrated and I'm like, oh, that's okay, cool. I learned something. I was like, why, why aren't guys showing up? You know? And I talked mm-hmm. to Traver and he's like, yeah, guys won't admit that they have angst because that's, uh, that's dangerous or that's, you know, uh, not respectable. But a guy that says that he, he deals with nice tendencies, 
which always leads to anger and rage. Yeah, every hand. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we have ways of being real sneaky. It's yeah. a really good point that you make. Um, but it made me think of another kind of uh, branch to that was knowing that you're, you know, kind of that, um, you've been to that kind of certified holistic health and wellness code, focusing more on women. Uh, I know we've talked about a little bit in the past, just like that dynamic between the feminine energies. Um, but I've also talked about in some of your content about like calling upon inner wisdom. And I don't, maybe you could define what that inner wisdom that's at the core of the work that you do with women, because that would be relevant to the men mm -hmm. as well. Well, that's a good question. First and foremost, the inner wisdom and the inner knowing is not something you can put under any definition because it varies for every person. It's like different. my, okay. yeah, my inner knowing can lead me to whatever, being single for a year, moving to a different state, traveling around, doing all the things because I know that even though that's not what I want because super scared to be by myself, that's yeah. what I needed. That's where the honesty part also comes into play, where you have to be radically honest with yourself, especially in the things that you don't really want to be. Um, for somebody else, it can be, for again, going back to the example of the success, successful executive, it can be, well, I actually really do want a partnership and I do mm -hmm. want... Um, and kind of need to, to prioritize that and work hard, harder towards it. And that's where I feel I actually held like um, an in-person workshop a, a couple of times about finding that unshakable confidence and inner wisdom. And that was co-ed. That was for both men and women. Um, mm -hmm. Because the inner knowing exists in all of us. And the ways to access it, it could maybe vary a little bit based on feminine, masculine, dominant energies which by the way, to those of you that don't know, we all have, both men and women mm -hmm. have both energies. Um, mm -hmm. And depending on what, which one you're dominant, uh, which one is dominant in you, we can kind of customize better ways for you to access it, I feel. Um, so the practices that I moved through, so this workshop I mentioned was just like a, like a stepping stone into that, a 90 minute kind of like introduction into that. But the process is actually it's long and it's constant and you do it throughout your life and it's always a like a growing process right. and what i feel and the way that i do my work and the way that i see things we start by taking honest inventory you know of our lives and how where we feel that we are lacking or just not a 10 out of 10 or whatever it is that's just not we're not feeling satisfied and we continue with committed action and that's not easy to do and it starts with a little thing. I started with having a cup of lemon every morning. And it was like, oh, well, now I'm going to have a cup of lemon every morning for the rest of my life. I don't want to do that. That's like so annoying. So I started with like, no, how about you just do it for a day and see what it feels like? Oh, that was nice. I, my body feels good. Let's try that for a week. Next thing you know, it's a habit I've been on, like on for like two years now. And Is a squeeze lemon or are you dicing a lemon up and then eating it? Like how I, are you exactly doing this? Because that's that cup a cup of lemon, of lemon is... It's a lot of lemon. <laughs> well, it's not a full cup of only lemons. It's half a lemon squeezed with a spoon of um, apple cider vinegar and okay. warm water, so, not too hot, not too cold. Okay, so you're cutting the lemon a little bit. Okay, I was going to say, that's Just, that's worse. A cold, cold plunge every well, morning, I think. You can do a shot of lemon. So <laughs> it's funny because you mentioned before, uh, you mentioned I'm a certified holistic health and wellness coach. It's... Yep. 
it is like I'm not a big fan of titles and certifications. I don't talk about that often because I don't think it matters. But um, part of my training is has to do with holistic nutrition. I just don't want to be giving nutrition advice to people because I don't find that that's my calling. Um, yeah. But I do, I can't like tell you the benefits of incorporating that every day into your diet, of having oatmeal in the morning and of like turmeric and its anti-inflammatory inflammatory properties. These things, as much as it like, oh, all this like health trends and blah, 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 they support your physical body, your nervous system, your mental state more than you realize. So for mm -hmm. me, like having a cup of lemon every day is on a spiritual level, the commitment that I have every day and I practice every day along with other things like meditation and other stuff. And on the physical side is super, super protective of my immune system and, and, and body in general. So has more than one uh, benefits. And like I said, it looks Love like that. a different thing for every person, but that's exactly mm -hmm. what we get to explore. Which is the exact half what a lot of Americans do, which is coffee and caffeine. And it's extremely inflammatory and mm -hmm. dehydrating. And I digress. <laughs> very, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I appreciate the, the understanding that the inner wisdom uh, isn't just uh, something that you could define or look on Google. You know, it's, yeah. it's really something that uh, I think requires a lot of uh, consciousness presence um which quite was not something i was very good at it's just it's just like working out it's time it's like a muscle i feel like you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like it uh it requires some some sort of like mindfulness practice like you said meditation or um whatever that might be for some people it might be yoga um, mm -hmm. but something where you just kind of slow down this fast-paced life you know because it's just overwhelming we talked before we started recording that we're both feeling overwhelmed right now absolutely and you don't always <laughs> yeah. want to go there just like you don't always want to do that extra rep in the gym or you know whatever it is that you're oh i always to. do i always do do you always time. want to i always time? want to yeah and then i yell really loud so everyone you know <laughs> and and i have my headbands on and my sweatings and you know my my leg warmers it's just wow. part of my style gym but not everyone Teach is like all me. your wise ways though. yeah 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 <laughs> For sure. No, I agree though. I agree. It's, mm -hmm. it's the uncomfortable part of like for the personal development is like doing those extra reps. You so want to stop because it's scary or it's painful. Absolutely. Uh, and you that, don't want to uh, admit. So the inner knowing piece, again, like I said yeah. before, it's sometimes it's something that you don't want to be true. So you will do mm -hmm. everything in your power to avoid admitting that. The last thing I wanted to do as I turned 30 was to spend a whole year by my, like as a single woman taking care of herself not reaching out to all of like the the men she used to rely on not because like i wanted to continue to be some sort of damsel but because i really i'm like the last thing i want to do is actually the thing i need to do the most and i really just don't want to do that because like i started also for me personally i started thinking i'm like well i'm just gonna end up an old lady with cats like that's how that's it it's doomsday it's the end of the world for me um, and usually the, that's, that's a good indication when we feel like we're so against something feels like I really, really don't want to do this. It's a really good place to start asking why that is for me, the radical honesty piece came when I was like, well, you don't want to, because you know, you need to, because you need to show yourself something here that you are trying to, or trying to wait, like wait for someone else to show to you. And that's just not possible. 
you know, I coached for eight years prior to switching over to men and I was doing primarily health coach, life coaching. I can't tell you how many times women that that's like their greatest fear is to either be the, the old woman is alone and has cats or she has lots of little dogs, but either way, they're small little fuzzy animals. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to a woman. <laughs> Why is that? Cause it's not like, you know, I'm going to be an old man with lots of cats. They don't say that, you know, <laughs> because it's not i got nothing against dogs or cats love them um it's the idea that you'll have those as companion instead of a profound relationship because you couldn't find one or you somehow failed in life um and to go back to the inner knowing piece again it could very well be your inner knowing is that you enjoy your singlehood right now and you want it to like you're just trying to force something on yourself because society has told you that you need to be married by a certain age or have children by a certain age and so you really don't want to admit that you really just enjoy being single or you just want to have fun or you never want kids because god forbid you should ever admit you don't want kids yeah right right yeah i think uh prior to that though you made a really good point which i i've it resonates to and things that i've thought about like Oftentimes, and let's take the example of being in the gym. Uh, I think it's a relevant one a lot of us can, can resonate with, perhaps, uh, where you do ultimately want to give up and stop when it's painful, it hurts the most, you're the most exhausted, and yet that those last few reps are going to be where the actual growth is. So you have to lean into the very thing that you're bought and part of your primal <laughs> voice me out to stop. Uh, I find that the older I get, the more I realize it's everything that I intuitively want to do, especially if it comes from a place of fear or um, overwhelm or scarcity or that sort of thing. The solution is always counter to, or is the, the opposite of, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if I'm getting into an argument, and all I do is bolt, you know, and just be like, fuck this, I'm out. The, the solution now is actually to like take a couple deep breaths and to lean into that conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And those are like a few reps where, and I've experienced that in the last several relationships where like it only makes that relationship. I love those type of conversations because then I'm like, man, that fucking sucked, but I'm like, so much closer with you. Like I'm so much more attracted to you. Like let's go versus holding that against each other. And then we don't talk for a, a day or shit that I used to do to go. Mm-hmm. So whatever's counterintuitive to what our <laughs> kind of our, our fear focused intuition, our instincts to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm saying all that because I think it's hard. Uh, it's difficult. And, and maybe this is at least for me, it's really difficult to distinguish between inner wisdom and like fear, like my inner wisdom is my inner wisdom saying, get out of this relationship because it's God. Or do I love this person so much that I just keep leaning into it? You know what I mean? Yeah, How do you distinguish between question. that? I love it. So I actually heard this described in, in this way at some point, and it really made a lot of sense for me. So fear feels like contraction. It feels mm-hmm. like... Um, it just, it makes me, you feel like smaller, kind of like more uh, things are associated with negative, negativity, negative feelings, whereas intuition feels expansive. It doesn't mean it's not scary at all, but it feels expansive. So for example, as I'm now traveling and have to road trip by myself, 
I actually came here on a road trip as well. So before I got here, I, I asked myself, do I want to fly out and do it ABCD or do I want a road trip? And I couldn't tell between fear and intuition. Am I just afraid to do a road trip or is my intuition telling me this isn't a good idea, get on a plane? Mm -hmm. And some advice that I can give or practices that I feel work are slowing down, taking time, and sitting with yourself, and Connor Beaton said this once and it made me laugh, like sitting with your emotions doesn't mean sitting in front of, like sitting your ass down in front of Netflix and, and binge watching through the night. Um, mm -hmm. It means sitting in actually, like sitting in silence and listening to yourself. So it can look different for everyone. It can be journaling, it can be meditation, it can be a nature walk, and really listen to what your body is saying, not your mind, your body. So when I thought about the road trip, I recognized that the contraction in me was fear-based. I really wanted to do the road trip. I was just afraid of everything that would go wrong, of everyone around me telling me this is really dangerous, risky, whatever it may be. Um, and it wasn't like, there was no part in me that said like, don't do this because it's unsafe. There was just like, okay, there's a, um, a reasonable amount of safety measures that you need to take, but ultimately you know you will come out way bigger and better after this experience if you end up doing it and going for it. So that, mm -hmm. that was like, okay, so because this felt expansive, I know my intuition was like towards doing it. So that's a big difference between those. And like, if you're in a relationship, you can ask yourself the same questions. Like, am I, am I wanting to run because I'm afraid or is my intuition trying to tell me um, that this isn't the right relationship for me? And no one has those answers but you. And a piece that I do want to go back to that was, that was very interesting that you said, going back to the gym analogy, kind of like getting to those um, final like extra pushes, like where you get the growth from, mm -hmm. it's still at the same time, you don't want to push so far you tear a muscle, right? So like yeah. you don't want to go don't want too to go hard to too injury. fast. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you don't want to go too hard too fast and you don't want to go, um, you, you kind of want to take it, build, first of all, build your skills and build yourself up to the level where you can make like have more do more reps um in the same way that you want to build your emotional capacity to hold more space and to be able to deal with more in your life and you want to be gentle on yourself so mm. the way i see it and i feel that it's very similar for men and women but i see it in women more like it's never helpful to push and we never try to push through something that is really scary like if i it could have been that you know in my road trip situation i was afraid to do that and maybe it would have been just fear but if it was too much and it was too overwhelming it probably wouldn't have been smart for me to try to push and force it through so we, it's really delicate and i feel like part of the beauty of of receiving help whether it's support from trusted friends or your family or coaches or therapists or any kind of prof professionals um is to, that they can help you navigate that what does this mean what does my body uh, what is my body really telling me? Because ultimately, you have the answers in you. You have the inner knowing. You have the power in you. It's all in you. you yeah. We kind of just probably don't really know how to read it and interpret it yet. Uh, yes, and I'd say to piggyback on that, at least in my experience uh, and with guys that I, and women for that matter, um, two things there. One is like, being a being a, a kind of recovering nice guy, I would get to to argue, let's say, with with a significant other, and I would feel myself wanting to bolt, but then I'd be like, oh, but that's what typical guys do. So I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna keep like, but I'm really available. I'm already shut down. I'm resentful. But I just stay in the fight. Really express, you know, that she's pushing me too far. 
or she says, or I'm really, really hurt, or I need some space or I need a break, it'd be no different than, you know, signing up with a personal trainer and personal trainer push you to the point you injure yourself, even though I'm where you're just like, you know, I can't, I think I'm going to hurt myself, but you don't say anything at it, you know, or you don't want to be ashamed. And I think that's one of those things I've really learned for myself too, which is like when I'm, when I get really heated, you know what? I need 20 minutes. I need 30 minutes. I'm going to go walk away. You know, you probably heard this so many times. So like, I'm going to go walk away. I'll be back in 30 minutes and we'll, we'll resume this when calmer heads prevail. So that has, has helped. And I wanted to throw that out there just for, for men and women that are listening. Okay, that's a good point. Like you have to be willing to say, okay, if too far, I'm actually maybe going to say something that's going to hurt you or it's going to hurt. So I need to go back and take a break. You know, you have to kind of know your limits. Um, and then the other part, uh, did I lose it? You were saying, I lost it. I had another idea, but I can't remember. Anyways, there you go. That's, that's the, that's the fun of podcast. Um, something having to do with relationships. Anyways, I don't know if any of that resonates for you, yeah. but that's, that's where it definitely I, does. And that's yeah. part of, of what we, what we talk about when we say we don't push, we don't force, you know? So like, it's really important to be able to communicate the way you're feeling at the, at the moment. And I feel like mm-hmm. the part of why it requires having that much awareness from both sides is because for another wounded individual also saying like you know what i need 20 minutes can be interpreted as like no like you don't leave if you leave this conversation now like it's over and we're done and blah blah whereas really if we did our work and tried to understand the other the other side better because like yeah. i won't go into whole attachment theories but if for example you're dealing with someone with avoidant tendencies and they really genuinely need this time to regroup because otherwise they're just going to shut down and stonewall. It's actually so much more beneficial to be like, okay, I realize this isn't about me. I'm going to give you the time you need, but I need to know when are you going to return so we can talk about this or like, let's put a time limit. So you're back and we're going to continue the conversation. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, this applies to so many different kinds of relationship. Mm-hmm. I personally experienced this. This was like a few months ago at this point, but with my family that I was um, on a FaceTime call with and things got really heated with my mother. We were talking about something that the argument got heated and I felt that I was this close, like very close to saying something that I'm going to regret. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stop right now because I need to breathe for a second because I I don't want to say anything that I'll regret. And, you know, her immediate response was trying to repair, but I'm like, we don't, we're not in repair mode yet. I just need a second. And I walked Mm -hmm. away for a few minutes, I did what I did, returned to myself, took a few breaths, and returned actually level-headed and was able to say exactly why I got to where I got, how we can resolve it for next time, and what lessons we can learn from it. And it doesn't always happen that fast, but the but the idea you just brought forward about taking a breath and being able to communicate that and the other side being able to receive that and accept it, mm-hmm. it'll go miles and miles in like improving your, the relationships in your life. Yeah, and I think that's good because I feel I've been leading in this, uh, at least with women that I've dated where, um, especially, uh, I mean, the, the younger version, younger, <laughs> progressively younger version of me had less vocabulary and a connection with being articulate how I'm feeling. So the more I talked, the more she would press, like, how are you feel? Like, why aren't you talking? What's it like, you're just sitting there. What do you, do you feel anything? Do you even care? Do you, should, you know, you know, Ah, like she wanted to see something, you know, but a lot of those eruptions would make her feel like, oh, okay, you care. 
But for me, I'd be like so ashamed and I'd be so angry. I needed more of her to just hold space. Like, you know, like, you know, not really pushing me in the same personal trainer could over push a client and really injure them, you know, or push me to the point I say something, I just explode. But that anger of like pressure, not knowing how to say something, that frustration of like, it's like telling like a little kid who hasn't able to speak, like, use your word, do what you want. Don't just cry. You know, like for a lot of guys, I forget where I began. Like I, I had no words. I don't even know how to express. Like I know, again, I'm to your, what we were saying earlier. I, I know I'm not happy. I feel stuck. I feel kind of just vanilla or I don't know why. I don't know exactly what. And so it was a lot of that rest anger that made me apathetic, made me numb. Thus, to my point, I could not even really check to see if I was feeling fear or if I was feeling like expanse and traction. I couldn't even, I didn't even have that body awareness or like emotional. So I want guys and women to be listening to this. If you're like, this is, they're talking about things that I'm not even experienced. I'm just giving permission to be like, it's okay. Like, just know it's, it's a process in the same way that like, you have to walk into the gym and have your stay, you know, at some mm-hmm. point, you know, mm-hmm. you have to give yourself the grace to not like beat yourself up. If, yeah. you know, you realize that you're just a beginner in some of these things of, of emotional awareness or emotional. Absolutely. That's, and it's also, it's fascinating what you're saying. And it makes me remember and also want to speak to the women listening, um, that it's important like when i was in my phase of like lack of awareness quite the opposite from what you're describing i was always very good with my words and always very good with articulating how i feel i think that in general a lot of women are but i specifically am just yes but i always like i felt like i took it to the next level i was always it's it was always reflected to me that i'm such a good communicator and all the things and i definitely know that i went too far in a lot of places using that ability to articulate my emotion um, in, a, in a comprehensible way to kind of like beat my partner into submission of like, do you like understand what I'm saying to you? Because I can talk about this for another hour because I can and because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel all whatever. Um, but it was less about expressing how I feel and more about almost like t- explaining to them where they went wrong. Like, here's where you're wrong and how I, this is why you made me feel this. And like, we never, when we're in a healthy communication, never want to tell the other person, like, you make me feel blah, blah, blah. We kind of want to focus on, here's my experience and here's how I'm feeling. And, you know, I statements and all this stuff. Yeah. For those of us that don't know, I statements, uh, basically when you want to, um, approach conflict in a way, it's always better to focus on your experiences versus blaming someone else for how they're making you feel. So it'll be like, I feel insert whatever you feel when you blah 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 because it makes me like just kind of like sticking to the facts when you do something it makes me feel something um versus Mm -hmm. you as a person make me feel a b or c so Mm -hmm. for me for the the woman's experience or the way that i as a woman that can speak and and um kind of like wasn't aware of the things i am today i definitely was in situations where i was pushing my partners well beyond their capacity with like three hour long conversations about our emotions and stuff. And them, I mean, granted, they have their responsibility, like 50 side of the, of the street, you know, your side of the street, where they didn't tell me, like, I can't do this. Like, I need a break. I can't hold it for that long or I can't speak about it to this depth or I don't have the skills. Sure, they didn't say that. But on my side of the street is I wasn't aware 
that 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 was even a need that a man has mm. and like because i feel like also this is something men don't talk about we're not taught so i'm like you know if he cared about me he listened if he cared about me he showed emotion if he cared about me he stayed he would stay mm. but like that's not really how that works and it's it's very important like you mentioned yes for men to have the emotional awareness and capacity and ability to express that and for the woman to understand that it's not about her and she needs to allow for that space for him because otherwise we're just like crashing and I, and I do want to go ahead and repeat something I said before but that I am speaking to the heteronormative experience but it goes to all kinds of relationships and all kinds of capacities. Oh 100% I have the same exact conversation with my dad <laughs> and it doesn't make a difference whether he's you know whether we're talking about him and dating his boyfriends or uh and, and I say you know plural and singular you know so uh, i think it's one of those things that goes both ways you know so I, I agree with you and i do feel like you know statistically what women typically use six thousand words a day and men use two thousand right so you know three times more than than men do have the practice right uh but and i would agree with you that just because not to like if, if if you really cared you'd say something or you'd be like uh, like you have no idea how much I care. I think women would be surprised how much men truly care. I do feel like there's um, going to a, a book called uh, Respect, and I forget who the, the, the authors are, uh, husband and wife, but kind of talks about how, and this is, again, a very broad brush, that uh, it's both kind of forms of love, but that women typically need to feel loved and men need respected. Uh, and if men don't feel respected, act unlovingly towards their woman. And if she's not feel loved, she'll act disrespectfully towards their, her. And so I, I see it too, as like men use, you know, um, if, if not even physical abandonment, emotional abandonment as, as his weapons. And that really is probably a bigger trigger for women and abandonment is for men. But the bigger trigger for men is when, you know, I heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of men say like, I know my wife loves, but I don't think she likes me. AKA, I don't think she actually respects me. And that's worse for men than death, right? So the way that women are able to use their words because they're not physically long as we are, right? To really, really hurt a man mm -hmm. um, by acting disrespectful, I think is, is why it's a really good conversation having because we get into those points where we do get far that we're, it's almost like I either want to, and, and, and you have to lose if I'm going to win, or if I'm going to lose, I'm going to take you down with me. We're both going to lose. And that's when, you know, relationships mm -hmm. fall apart and then it's divorce or whatever and say, fuck it. And I think that the real key obviously is to a point where you're in everything that you're doing, whether you're talking about relationships or business or, uh, whatever is like win-win outcome. Mm -hmm. I think that really is one of the biggest things that has so much to do with communication, you know? And Agreed. I think a big part of that is the communication that we've been kind of peppering this conversation, you know, whether it be talking to your mom or talking to an ex, <clears throat> even talking to yourself, right? How many of us, mm -hmm. those inner conversations that are really, really judgmental, really, really yeah. tough, right? So, communication but, and healthy communication in that. Yeah.
But what I love too about what you're talking about though is, is, you know, in the way that I try to approach this podcast for myself too, is that, you know, just we say we're coaches or we're certified or we like, they were fucking human beings. And it's as if like, we don't deal with overwhelm or, you know, you having a whole lot of unknowns go trip, you know, or like tough being in the tree and new culture, all like, I think the, the sweet as people and listeners, you know, to this podcast can give up our sense of ego where we have to pretend like we have our shit together, mm-hmm. even though deep are really freaking scared. Yeah. It's better, absolutely because of that. Be. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, expand on that. Do you think it's, it's the ego, it's the pride, it's the fear, it's the, what pushes us to like, we have to look like we have our shit together when we all know deep down inside, none of us really do. We're all just like little in adult bodies trying to figure shit out. <laughs> yeah. Um, my one word answer to that, why we do yeah, that? I only, one word. Belonging. Belonging. We have Tell me more about that. We a hundred percent not only want, but evolutionary, uh, biologically, evolutionarily want to need to belong. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Abraham Hicks that said this, and maybe I heard Mel Groves repeat it. I hope I'm not messing up the credit for this. But um, in the face, or maybe it was Bormate, but in the face of, um, if authenticity is like, if you are faced with sacrificing your authenticity for belonging, belonging will often win. So you will Mm. sacrifice your true self or your true desires Mm. if it means you're going to belong to whatever it is, society, company, or something that you want to belong to. Um, Because if you don't, evolutionarily, that means death. If you're like ostracized from the from the tribe and um, and you and you kind of like in our nervous fight or flight systems, it, the idea of it is like it's equivalent to death. Hmm. So to kind of tie that into what uh, you were saying, I feel that there's definitely ego in that hmm. and a sense of like if I show the world that I'm successful, if I have certain numbers in the bank, if I am like some kind of alpha male or some kind of successful female or whatever it is, then I will be chosen, accepted, revered, admired, wanted, and basically belong, right? Because our society kind of like pedestals those types, like the people, the men and women that, specifically men, I guess, with making money and being very successful Mm -hmm. and the woman who's in a long-term relationship and has a lot of kids and, you know, and a happy, whatever, like whatever it is that we've decided is the norm is being idolized. And so we want to like seem perfect because then we will be admired, wanted, um, belong to some kind of elite society in our minds that, that is perfect. Whereas I'm saying, and you just said that, where I feel genuine souls connect with other souls, even in a professional capacity of a client working with a coach or a therapist or whatever, is exactly in those imperfect parts exactly in those imperfections, when you see someone's vulnerability and someone stepping up and saying, hey, I'm not very happy. I've dealt with depression. I've been broken up with. I'm heartbroken right now. I'm afraid. I'm scared. You know, you kind of show up as your true self. And when you find, like some people are going to not want any part of that because of whatever their reasons are and whatever their wounding is. And other people will be like, hey, I feel this and I'm not alone and let's talk about it. And that's where you truly belong because that's a true sense of belonging. It's not like on the surface based on titles and numbers. It's true like soul to soul connections. And that's why I'm so passionate about this work because I feel that 
through that, like whoever is drawn to working with me and whoever I feel drawn to working with, or even in a, or not even just working with, but a romantic capacity, friendships, the people I choose to let into my energy, I know are there because they're meant to be. And the mm -hmm. connection is genuine. So that's like, maybe Terry Cole says a long way around the barn to get to the, to the point, but, but yeah, a hundred percent our need to belong, um, and be chosen drives a lot of our, of our actions and the way we choose to present ourselves. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think that's something that I've been passionate, just haven't put a real word to it until last couple of years, uh, is that sense of belonging. And I remember being, especially in like, well, being insecure. Like I remember I would, I'd work hard to, um, make sure that certain people that maybe weren't popular as I was just because I was the traditional, you know, athlete, yada, yada. Um, I wanted them to feel like longed. And yet at the same time, out of my own desire to like fit in, I certainly also teased and bullied people. Right. And I would feel so much shame at, right. <clears throat> and so I think that's uh, a big of what we can continue to do as adults, where we just feel out of And the whole part of, 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 for me, becoming Kings, a sweet spot in the middle without going into the whole diagram that I talk about in my book is like of men feeling that they're in integrity or they are congruent with who inside, how it shows up in their behavior on their, uh, on, you know, and I feel like uh, a lot of what you've talked about you know, on social media kind of talks about this, a similar thing, just in the queen form, you say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was joking with you before we started recording that, It'll be, I'll like take over the podcast and turn it into becoming queens for the day. Um, yeah. But absolutely. So that's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So my, I actually named, which is again, kind of like certifications and titles. I don't really, yeah. names are just tools of marketing. But um, mm -hmm. my one-on-one program is called From Damsel to Queen for that reason. But it can be called whatever the hell that resonates with you. Can I say hell on your podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm encouraged yeah. to yeah. whatever the hell that means to you um, that uh, from from lack of empowerment to like you know swimming in it from whatever from someone who couldn't do this to someone who does everything on her call it whatever the hell you want the, the damsel to queen are just names and, and titles and yeah but absolutely a very similar um, journey for the woman experience well and I was going to bring that up because <clears throat> I think that's uh one thing I was going to wanted to kind of elaborate to would in that work. And we've obviously talked about a lot of the reasons why doing the work is so important. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of you coaching uh, others and, and women and stuff like taking them from damsel to, to queen, what is the ultimate outcome or is there one? What are you, you know, what are you finding? A lot of women are contacting you or working with you. What are they looking for? And what is it that you can really, um, although, yes, I realize we just spent 45 minutes to an hour really <laughs> talking, like, where do you first get started with them? Mm -hmm. So it's always, um, it's always about them. Always and forever. The coaching journey is about the client is about the person that's coming to me. Um, mm -hmm. We have to map out together and co-create a program together to where they want to go. Cause I'm not coming to you saying like, here's where you are and here's where I'm going to get you. 
I'm like, let's talk about where you are and you tell me where you desire to get to and we'll build the way to get there together. So for the most part, it turns like the the exercises that I have, the modules that I've built are they're pretty similar and they kind of like work with a lot of different women because the it's kind of like a general arch that you can just kind of customize to every person. Um, mm. So even though I can't tell you exactly what each person needs or want, but what I see most prevalent and like I've experienced it in my life and I see it sometimes in, in women that I meet and women that I know that maybe don't see it in themselves, but it's the getting to a place in your life where you really know and believe that you are absolutely capable and that you can do things that you don't need to be done for you, managed for you, um, helped, uh, saved mm -hmm. in a way. And mm -hmm. I know that some women listening to this and more power to you are like, I don't have a problem, you know, doing everything or whatever it is that I want about the line. I've, I've met, I have friends like that, like, which is amazing, but I've been in a place and I know what it feels like to, to put on a show where you are super independent, like the lead actors in your own life. But really you're in a very stagnant place of like, well, there's a, a genuine legit fear inside me that I can't do this. You know, I really want to get up and travel or buy a car or whatever it is like break up with this person or move and live on my own and I just don't believe that I can and it's yeah. super terrifying and, and that that it's so terrifying that it's almost paralyzing and you end up living your life in a stagnant place where you don't you don't step up because you don't believe that you can so that's where um, that's where I kind of come in with what I talk about how you actually can and it's not gonna be so fun and comfortable and it's not gonna take a day but you actually can and we get yeah. to work on how that looks like together or what that yeah. looks like. Well, it's cool, obviously, that you've, you walk your talk, you know, you've lived that process in you too, you're right. Um, and it's cool to hear that there's, yes, there's a frank, but it's not like you just put someone in and plug and play and it's out, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of get to dictate um, kind of where they go with the, the coaching journey and you're there to support them. So they tell them this is exactly how to, get to queen they get to define on their own at least that's what it sounds like yeah absolutely that's that's what we get to work on together someone that's listening who wants to read more about you connect follow what are all the things how can they all connect the with things you? well yeah. i am most active on instagram and most available um my handle is the honest compass you can look it up through using that or my name ranit Danti. um that's r-a-n-i-t first name, D-A-M-T-I is my last name. And um, you can always reach out uh, through my DMs. My email, thehonestcompass um, at gmail.com, always available there. And I also have a website of the same name, www.thehonestcompass.com. All those varied ways um, you can reach out to me. I'm pretty accessible. Yeah. And uh, I also offer a free connection call just to see if we're a good fit. There's never, like I said before, any forcing into anything. So. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Renee, thank you. Thanks for being on. Thank you for uh, pitching and catching with me. Uh, <laughs> as always, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I love what you're doing. Obviously, there's uh, clearly a lot of resonance between this that we're doing in terms of helping men and women. Um, and I think for sure, uh, regardless of who's listening, you have a lot of value in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Guys, Go follow Ranit. Uh, like she said, you can go to compass.com. You can follow her on Instagram, The Honest Compass. Um, all the things.
connect with her and uh, comment. Let her know if her connect with content, me. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. No, if you know any phone. women in your life that that could use this, um, please reach out. And uh, also, Jenny, thank you so much for having me. This has been a treat and a pleasure. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't wait to, to see what we can um, continue to co-create together because I do feel yeah. we're like on very uh, parallel roads and um, absolutely believe in the work that, that you do. So thank you yeah. for the service that you provide in your own way. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Uh, thank you for listening, sister, brother, sister, king, queen. You guys for listening. We'll catch up with you guys on the next episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Cheers. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.